Do you find living a Christian life is hard? Does it sometimes seem everyone is against you because you are a Christian? Well, you're not alone. On this episode of the Prepared to Answer podcast, we're going to be tackling the question, why isn't living the Christian life easier? My name is Sean Walker from Prepared to Answer, and this week we are joined by Pastor Dan Johnson from Emmanuel Bible Church in Simcoe, Ontario. What you're going to be listening to is Pastor Dan Johnson talking to a number of students from across Ontario at our Big Questions event in January. So I'd invite you to sit back and enjoy as Dan tackles the question, why isn't living the Christian life easier? Um, yeah, good evening. I wanted to say uh, uh, thank you to uh, thank you to Scott and to Sean uh, for the gentleman at Prepared to Answer for having me tonight. And um, young people, um, I hope that my answer tonight is ultimately encouraging to you. Uh, that is the, the design. I think I appreciate the selection of this question to be answered tonight because uh, it's really close to home for all of us. And, um, and we, all, we all have struggles. And so I hope that tonight ultimately is encouraging for you. So just give me a second here while I uh, figure out how to share. And let me know when you can see my PowerPoint if it's up there. It's up. Good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna start off. We're gonna uh, keep a couple little uh, a little game going here. I'd like you to tell me who said it. Okay. So who said wax on, wax off? Can you think who said that? Just shout it out wherever you are. It's from a movie. Daniel Sun from Karate Kid. <laughs> Daniel Sun. That's right. To this day, I have a buddy I grew up with who when I see him, he says Daniel Sun. Uh, because I that movie you. came out when we were young boys. And uh, so, yeah, my name is Dan, and uh, Wax On, Wax Off. All right, next up, we here we got, uh, do you recognize this one? Luke, I am your father. Darth Vader. From, oh, it's not Darth um, Vader. It's, ac- it's actually yours truly. You. See, my youngest, my youngest son's youngest name is Luke. Son's it's from and I am Star Luke's Wars father. And episode so I, I say this quite seven. often to him. I say, Luke, I am your father. You will do what I say, right? Something like that. Maybe you young people can relate. You may have parents. Now, now what about this one? This next one I have is actually relevant to introduce our talk for tonight. And do you recognize this? Who said this? What I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Does anyone recognize those words? Just shout it out wherever you are. Just, just think through. It's, it's, it's found in the Bible. It's found in the Bible. What I'm doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Well, this was said yep. by the Apostle Paul. And uh, maybe you know Paul's story. He's the guy, you know, who was miraculously saved by Jesus. He was arrested excuse me, he was out arresting Christians and then Jesus confronted him and and saved him. And Paul recognized Jesus was the true savior and Paul was converted. He was born again. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. And as a Christian, this man was incredible Uh, as a missionary, as a, a preacher, a pastor, establishing churches all over the world. In fact, this Christian man wrote half the New Testament, yet It was this same man who said these words when pondering the Christian life he was called to live. 
and contrasting that against the life that he often found himself living. He said, what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Have you ever asked the question yourself? Have you ever asked this question, why am I living in sin? Why, why can't I stop? Why can't I just live like a Christian? How about this question? Why don't people accept my beliefs, my choices, my, my point of view? Why, why do people seem to hate that I'm a Christian? I'd like to answer both of these questions tonight. Number one, why isn't it easier to just to live the Christian life, the life that a Christian is to live? Why isn't that easier? And secondly, I think also in this question is, you know, why am I not accepted by Christians? Like, why isn't it just easy to live? I am a Christian. I live like a Christian. Why isn't that easy in society? Why is that a challenge? I want to answer those two questions for you tonight. And there are answers to both these questions, and there is hope, and there can be victory in both of these areas. And so I hope tonight is a, is a help for you. First off, we need to answer this question. Who or what is a Christian? I mean, how do you become a Christian to start with? It's, it's important to know if you're a Christian, because if you're not a Christian, you, you cannot live a Christian life, right? So the Bible is very clear on how you become a Christian. I want to look at a conversation to answer the question, how does this happen? How does one become a Christian? And I want you to think, am I a Christian? Not do I go to church or what kind of a family I'm living in, but, but it really comes down to here tonight. What have you done with Jesus Christ? In the sense of who is he to you? Have you acknowledged the reality of sin? What have you done about that? What have you confessed to God about that? What decision have you made with Jesus? There was a man who came to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus. And we're going to read the interaction between this man and Jesus. It's found in John 3. It says this. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus got right to the point with Nicodemus. He knew why he came. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How do you become a Christian? Well, here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. We just read it. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Meaning one can't enter into God's kingdom for eternal life as a Christian with God unless they are born again. A Christian is someone who's been born again. So what is this born again? What does this mean? Well, being born again is not a reference to being born a second time from your mother. Nicodemus was confused there. Jesus clarified that a human being needs a second birth, a, a regeneration. You see, the first birth that all humans experience, the physical birth, results in us being born a human being. And we have the presence of sin 
in our lives. It's, it's in our very nature. And the Bible teaches that all of us are born in sin, and that sin has a penalty attached to it. That penalty is death. Death meaning separation and separation from God forever in hell. So to enter into God's kingdom requires sin to be removed. Forbidden. That penalty of death paid for it. That the sinner may be made new, so to say, rebooted without sin's penalty. But how? That's the problem. There is no rescue from our sin because we are unable to pay sin's penalty. We can't work for it. We can't purchase it with money. We can't do good things so God overlooks our sins. We humans have no hope in ourselves for salvation from sins because there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from it. But there is a way to be regenerated, to have our sins forgiven and to have eternal life with God in heaven. You see, God, because of his great love for you, he paid for your sins when he died on the cross. Then he rose again back to life and he offers his life as eternal life for you. You know this, right? I mean, wow, Jesus Christ, he died in your place to remove the death penalty, to pay for your sins, and to cause you, should you believe in him, cause you to be born again. This new birth, it, it carries the idea of a birth from above, a new birth from above that we need. And we can have this in Jesus Christ based on what he did for us. How do you receive this gift? Well, verse 16, Jesus is clear. If you believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, then you will not perish in your sin, but you will receive eternal life. This is how you become a Christian. That's the point here. Elsewhere, God teaches that part of your responsibility in, in being saved from your sins is that you turn or that you repent. Jesus says, repent, turn, change your mind about life, about your sin about God and turn to him. Your sin offends God. It, it warrants a death penalty. It dishonors God. It infuriates him. A believer in Jesus Christ turns from sin and confesses his sin and his guilt and his shame. And he calls on Jesus for this new birth to be born again and to receive eternal life. So are you a Christian? That's the question for you tonight. There is no point considering in your mind the Christian life, until you have made that decision to have your sin dealt with by God himself, who is the one who makes a way for you to be saved, for you to be born again. When you're saved, when you become a Christian, God gifts you with someone incredible. And he's, he, the Holy Spirit we're going to talk about tonight, is pretty much the key here to answer the question, how do I live a successful Christian life? Or how do I live life as a Christian when there's opposition from the world? And the key is someone who God gives to the Christian, and that's the Holy Spirit. You cannot live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And fortunately, we all have him who have been born again by God. So in summary, or, summary here for you, young person, just, just, just want you to know this. There's an order here. Number one, you need to be saved. You need to be born again by God. You need to receive this from Jesus Christ through belief in him. And secondly, you're now ready to live the Christian life because you have the presence in your life of the one, the Holy Spirit, who empowers you to successfully live out God's incredible plan 
for your life. So what is the Christian life? What is it? We need to sort of get a, a working definition here to understand. I'll offer sort of a general definition, then we'll, we'll break it down, okay? The Christian life is the life of repentance, faith, and good works, lived through the power of the Spirit and with the help of the means of grace as the Christian is conformed to the image of God, the image of Christ, to the glory of God. This is a bit of a definition or an explanation of what the Christian life is. First and foremost, the goal of the Christian life sort of comes at the end there. What does it say? It says the goal of the Christian life is to become as close as we can to exactly like Jesus Christ. The life of the Christian is this. Whatever you're doing, wherever, you're, wherever you are, whatever you're thinking or planning or doing, you're like Christ. Christ is holy and does not sin. You, a Christian, repents of your sin and you live like Christ. Christ was obedient to the Father when he came to the earth in order to die on the cross for our sins and to make disciples. So we, as obedient as Christians, exercise faith in God and obey all of his commands. Christ did the good works that God the Father prepared for him to do. Of greatest glory, of course, was when Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So we as Christians likewise make it our aim in life to glorify God by doing good things that God has called and prepared for us to do. For example, Jesus said, love others, even your enemies, as Jesus has loved his disciples. The Christian life then is repenting of our sin, confessing our sin to God when we're not loving others. And by faith, we trust that loving others is always the only choice, the best thing. And so we love others. By faith, we trust and we do those good works of loving others in practical ways or maybe loving them by sharing the truth of the gospel with them. So how do I actually live that Christ-like way? Well, the quotation here contains the answer. The Christian life is the life of repentance, faith, and good works lived through the power of the Spirit and with the help of the means of grace as the Christian is conformed to the image of, the, of Christ, to the glory of God. How then do I live the Christian life? Even, I would say, easily? Okay, embrace yourself here because you're probably going to hear something here that might not quite compute. All right? You don't live the Christian life, okay? So you, so say your name out loud, okay, whatever your name is. I don't live the Christian life. Someone else lives it for me. This is the idea the scriptures present to us, and so we need to think about this tonight. You say, wait, what are you talking about, Dan? Great question. So I've spent a good number of years of my life as a Christian Experienced bouts of exhaustion, depression, because I fail to live the Christian life. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, here's what I've learned through it. We fail to do the good works. Love your enemies, forgive others, obey mom and dad. We, I, fail to repent. I fail to change my sinful ways. I fail to live by faith and obey God. 
because we, we try, I try to muster up from my own strength to do this. I, I rely upon myself to try harder. Now, this is important. You, me, I, Dan Johnson, cannot please God. I can't. I, I can't do it. I sin. I, I fail to turn from sin. I fail to trust God. I fail to love others. I fail to forgive. But, but I try hard. You probably try hard too, don't you? You probably try hard not to look at pornography. You probably try hard to pay attention in church. You, you try hard to forgive your brother and sister when they're irritated, when they've irritated you for the thousandth time today. But you can't do it. You on your own can't live the Christian life, but God can. God did, right? You know Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect Christian life. And that is actually how you and I can live the Christian life as well. In fact, when we apply this, we can actually live it quite easily. I say easy because nothing is difficult for God. Difficult and God that those things don't compute together. And if God lives your life for you, then it's easy for you to live like Christ. Now, here's how God lives through you. When you are born again, God gifts you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, Romans 8, 9 tells us, the Spirit of Christ. So when we are born again, Jesus Christ sends to Christians the Spirit of him, and that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us, indwells us. He is in you. He is present in you, with you. And what he does is live the Christian life for you. Here's a verse I want you to look at. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer Dan who lives but Christ, the spirit of Christ, who lives in me. And who is the spirit of Christ who lives in me? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. This verse from the first half says, I've been crucified with Christ. When, when I got saved by Jesus, when I got saved from my sin and became a Christian, I sort of spiritually participated with Jesus in, in his crucifixion. And, and in his victory over sin and death, I have now victory over sin and death. No longer am I a slave to sin. No longer am I bound to the grave. I have eternal life. Sin is dead to me. I can now have victory over sin. In the second half of this verse, it explains how you now live out that victory over sin and, and replace it with holy Christian living. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You become empowered by Christ who lives in you and through you. Jesus Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And so it is, in fact, not you who lives the right life, but the Holy Spirit who lives the right life for you. You, I, do the thinking, the acting, the deciding, the behaving. But it's the Holy Spirit who provides every spiritual energy and influence that I need and you need in order to think, act, and decide, and behave in the ways that glorify God. And what the Holy Spirit does, his presence in my life as he indwells me, 
is that he influences me toward right living by teaching me God's word. In Ephesians 6, the Bible, the word of God is called the sword of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's sword is the Bible. The Christian is to put on or take up the sword. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who produced the Bible, God's word. So the Christian life is nurtured by the Bible. So, so read it daily in your home. Listen to it when it's taught at your youth group or on Sunday. The power of the Holy Spirit to produce Christian living in you is unleashed as you read and obey God's word. You work in concert with the Holy Spirit to become a right living Christian. You are influenced to live for God as the Holy Spirit's words sink deeply into your heart. In addition to the Holy Spirit, there are other means of grace, so to say, that God gives to the Christian to enable them to live the Christian life. All things that influence and shape our, our thinking, our attitudes, and our behaviors to be like Christ. The church, not the church building. The pandemic has taught us that the church exists, hopefully, outside of the four walls of a church building. The church are people who gather in a building, but the church are Christians who, who gather in order to help one another live right. The other means of grace that God gives us with is the ability to pray, to talk to him. We, you have access, young person. You have permission because you're born again by God. He is your father. You're his child. He listens to you, and he answers the cries of your heart. You can seek him for guidance. You can ask him to help you with self-discipline. You can ask him for help in living the Christian life. So. Now that we've sort of taken a look at what the Christian life is, assuming you're a Christian, you've made that decision, you're striving to live the Christian life, you've been given the Holy Spirit who lives and works through you, and now we need to, and we can answer the question, why isn't the Christian life then easier? You remember the words of Paul, right? The missionary pastor guy who wrote half the New Testament? He knew this truth. He had the Holy Spirit, yet he still found himself failing to live the Christian life. And why did he struggle? Well, he says this, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. He explains one of the reasons why he still sins when he writes, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells within me. Paul was a Christian. He was born again. And as a born again believer, he was given a new nature. Christians are a new creation of God. They see life in a new way. They can live life with the Holy Spirit's power and influence as he is gifted to the Christian. But unfortunately, for Christians, we still have remaining in us the old sin nature. So the reason it's hard to successfully live the Christian life is because you and I can still choose to live the non-Christian life when we shouldn't make that choice. We make that choice because a desire for sin remains within us. 
And this frustrated Paul. He was made new when he got saved by Jesus. He was given this new nature, a desire to follow Jesus. Yet Paul, like us, acknowledged a battle that was raging within him. And this is every Christian's battle. Galatians 5 describes this battle between our sin nature, the old man, the old woman inside of us that loves and wants sin and and that battles against our new nature, the new creation that we are that loves Jesus and wants to please him. In verse 17 of Galatians chapter 5, it describes it like this. The flesh, that old sinful person, lusts against the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Okay, so there's the battle. If you choose to let the flesh, your old sin nature, win, then you will sin, and the Christian life is not easy. However, verse 16, the verse prior reads this. Walk in the Spirit. So this is a command given to a Christian. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What a promise. There you have it. There's the easy Christian life. There's the how you live the Christian life with ease. It's choice. And Christian, it's your choice. Here's an example of how this would play out. Let's say you're tempted to look at something on the internet that is sinful. The Bible says that God promises to provide a way out for you when you're tempted. Often that way out comes from a conviction in your mind and in your heart that the behavior you're about to partake in is wrong. Where did that conviction come from? Well, it came from God's word. Remember, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to speak truth to your heart, to tell you what's wrong and what's right. This is your way out. So the promise here is that if you walk in the spirit or submit yourself or respond to the Holy Spirit's control, what he's convicting your heart of by obeying the instructions in the Bible, then God will give you the power to make the choice to refuse that sinful choice and to flee. And in so doing, you honor God. You worship him rather than satisfying the desire of your heart. Now, here's one other thought on the question, why isn't the Christian life easier? Easier might mean to you, accepted. Why doesn't the world, non-Christians, why doesn't the world accept my Christian choices? This is making life hard. I want to live a Christian life, but no one accepts me for my Christian, no one accepts my Christian view of things. No one else wants to hear or see my Christian thinking and behavior. How do I fix this? How can I be a Christian and have everyone love and accept me too? Well, young people, there's, there's no easy way of putting this. The Christian life does not match with the sinful world we live in. Not only does it not match with the predominantly sinful world, but... You know, a, a world that promotes living that is opposite of Jesus Christ. But those people oppose and even hate Christians. But why? 
know, Christians are generally probably mostly wonderful people. People of love and peace and joy and righteousness and justice. We share with others how to be saved from sin and how to live a life that honors God. The result of which is God's blessing or, or peace in their heart of hope for eternity with God and not in hell. Like, honestly, who opposes that? Well, in the scriptures, we learn that almost everybody does. Jesus told his disciples in John 15 the reason why. Jesus told his disciples, sinners who love their sin hate Jesus Christ. Right? It makes sense. Jesus condemned sinners. He came and told them to turn from their sin and to believe in him. He told them that they would die in their sins. Therefore, people who love their sin will hate anyone who threatens their freedom to live in sin. Jesus said to his disciples as he, as he prepared them for this hatred, this rejection that they would experience as they lived the Christian life. He said, quote, if the world hates you, you know, don't be surprised. You know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you because you would be part of the world. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So the conclusion here is this. The Christian life isn't easy in the sense of being accepted by your non-Christian friends. This is likely a, a wake-up call for many of you. Learning the truth about being a Christian can be challenging because often we, we don't really consider this before we come to Christ. We don't really count the cost of following Jesus. But Jesus told his disciples here in John 15, count the cost. You know, he didn't need to say to those disciples, boys, you need to count the cost. Because when they heard the words, you will be hated if you follow me. You will be persecuted if you follow me. Jesus told these men that many of them would be, would be murdered for following him. These were not easy things to hear. And those truths that Jesus shared were likely a wake-up call for his disciples. I hope that when you consider what Christ has done for you, that your response is to endure any mistreatment for cause, the cause of living for Christ. Knowing that those very people who hate you and your beliefs ultimately desperately need you. And they need your message of hope. They need your message of salvation. They need to see in your life, your love for them, your patience with them, your faithfulness to them, the practical ways you look to even bless them. Don't be surprised when you're hated by the very people who God may be using you to reach them for him. But this is something as a young Christian that you need to consider. This is the life that is before you. Don't be surprised when you're hated for living the Christian life. Don't be discouraged from showing your enemies love. I'm going to close with this. This is a call for you to surrender. What, what I want to do is direct you to 
a memory verse, and I would encourage you to take this verse and commit it to memory. Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, I urge you, therefore, Christians, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's break this down just a little bit. Paul urges Christians everywhere to focus first, not on the Christian life, the difficult Christian life ahead, but to focus first on God and God's gracious mercy, his love, all that he has done for, for Christians. In light of that mercy, in every spiritual blessing you have, hope, a future, Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid of the person that can kill the body. Fear God, who has the power to give and take eternal life. Don't fear your enemies. Don't fear those who would oppose Christ. Consider the mercy of God. And from that, understanding who God is and what he's done for you, allow that to motivate you and inspire you to present your body, offer your body, a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. God, I give my life to you. And the thinking of the, the two sort of ways we answer the question tonight, with respect to those in the world who will not accept your Christian living, who will not accept what you believe, consider what God would want you to do in, in, in sacrificing, or what would the cost be to your, potentially your reputation, Right? And consider that something that you'll sacrifice. I don't care what people will think about me. That's not important. What's important is that I should continue to show love and share the gospel. And then when you think about the, the second challenge of living the Christian life and, and that the sin that resides within us still, our old sin nature, and this, this call that we have to, to follow the Holy Spirit and to, and to be controlled by him, influenced by him, to be in God's word, to pray and be influenced by those in your church. I would encourage you to present your body a living sacrifice that you will commit to killing sin in your life and following the call of God into right living as a Christian. I'll read the verse to you one more time. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in light of the mercies of God and what he's done for you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'd like to just close here and, and pray for you. If you'd bow your head with me and we'll pray. God, we live to give you glory. Father, I pray you would help these young people not to miss this. The world will preach that we are here for ourselves. The world will preach to us that we can be whatever we want, do whatever we want. But God, you say we are here for you. And we're to be and do whatever you call us to do. God, help these young people. Help them to know the goal of their life is to live for you. And help them to apply these principles taught this evening that will hopefully help them to be victorious. God, I believe. There's so much capability in one Christian life 
to impact incredible change, to lead lives to be transformed by the power of the gospel and the power of you, our Lord and Savior. God, I pray each of these young people would look in the mirror tonight and say, why not me? Why can't I commit and live a Christian life? Why can't I be bold and courageous? Why can't I offer my life in the sacrifice to Christ and not care what others think, but just live for God's glory and lead my friends to saving faith in Jesus Christ? I believe, Father, I trust by faith that you will do a work in the lives of these young people, that they may live a Christian life with ease by your power and enablement. We give you thanks for this evening and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast has been a ministry of Prepared to Answer. Our mission at Prepared to Answer is to help prepare, equip, and encourage the Church of Jesus Christ to grow in confidence of faith by teaching Christians to think like Jesus. To access more resources to help you begin understanding life and the world around you with the mind of Jesus, visit our website at www.preparedtoanswer.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at at prepared to answer. Or contact us directly by email at info at prepared to May the Lord bless and keep you.